Well, greetings, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. Today, I'm going to be talking about a subject that um, I struggled with for a long time. And so you say you don't believe in God. You say you don't believe in God. And that's a, a lot of people struggle with that. And there's a lot of reasons why they do. But before I get into that, I want to just thank you all for being patient with with me over the last couple of months as my wife and I have made a move uh, out of state to Arizona. And uh, I've played a few from the archives. And for those of you that clicked on those, I do appreciate it very much. I want to do something to keep you all in, um, in tune with, 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 the, with the podcast because I want to try to grow this thing. I'm working on growing it a lot. So there's a lot of changes going to come up. We're finally settled in our house for the most part. Still little things here and there that we have to take care of, but uh, we were fortunate to get a house that was very nice. Everything was pretty much as we needed it, so it's just now putting our personal touches on it. I got a whole new office here uh, that instead of having two offices, one for my wife, one for me, as we had in California, now we just have the one that we're sharing. Um, so it's it's set up. I'm not I'm not 100% happy with it yet, but it's getting there. I should be having a new podcast backdrop. Um, it should be here. I'm hoping sometime this week, I believe, or the, or the following week, one of the, one of the two. I'm not really sure yet. So um, that's where we're at. My wife is going to join join me for a lot more of these podcasts. She's now retired from her escrow job. That's the one reason we moved to Arizona. It was much much more feasible for us to do that. So she's going to be joining me as we work with a lot of couples, you know, in the past. And that's that's one of our passions besides working with people with trauma and addictions and, and you know, one-on-one with men and one-on-one with women. But when we talk about relationships, um, yeah, we're talking to couples, but, you know, there, there's, a, there's a saying that you practice these principles in all of your affairs. So it's just principles that we instill in our lives. So it's, yeah, maybe at work or amongst our friends, it might not be that full intimate um, relationship that, that we have with our wife is going to be carried over into our, our workplaces. Our friends, can be, we can become pretty intimate with. And when I'm speaking of intimate, I'm not talking about sex because that's not true intimacy. Intimacy is, intimacy is the connection you have with, with each other, the communication you have. You know, it's into me you see. So that's what I'm talking about with intimacy. So usually relationships um, are, are, are across the board. We'll dive into more with personal relationships with our spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever that might be. But some of the stuff that we're gonna we're working on coming up in, in the future. Um, we're trying to get established in a new church here. We, we, we went to one this morning that looks really nice. So more will be revealed on that. I'm, I'm, I kind of, inserted my will a little bit this morning when I did something I said I wasn't going to do. It was nothing bad, but still, it's just like, you know, on the way home, I said, God, I'm sorry, because I inserted my will, and, and, I, and, I, and I said I wasn't going to do that. So I'm, I'm growing every day as well. So I think that's about it. Our dogs, I got, uh, I got Hazel in here and Tucker in here. They're mellow. They're you know, it's, it's a desert out here as it was at home, so they, they want to do a lot, and there's just not a lot that they can do when it's 110, you know, 115 degrees out. Um, 
as much as they want to. I took them to the park the other night when it was dark. It was 104, and they lasted about five minutes. And I said, no, I, I can't do this to my dog. So it is beautiful here. We're kind of, we're at a 17-foot uh, elevation. We're really in the middle of nowhere where we're at. It, it's kind of nice. I mean, we're in a neighborhood, but it's, it's so peaceful and so quiet here. We don't hear nothing. Don't hear the neighbors. Don't hear a car. We hear nothing. It's unbelievably quiet. Um, but Kathy and I are also settling into her retirement life. I, I, for the last 10 years, 12 years almost, I think, I've been at home every day doing what I do, working. And she's been in an office working, right? And so she is all of a sudden, she's kind of sliding into this retirement life. And I, I love it. I mean, she, she's... She's to, to Kathy, the old Kathy that I married. She's got no more stress. She's much more lovable. I've always loved my wife. Don't get me wrong. But she is just a lot more joy uh, coming out of her. I mean, literally, I, I, I mean, it, she's changed immensely, and I know why. Number one, she loves me. But number two, she no more stress from that escrow business. It was killing her. So we're selling in that, and there's a lot of adjustments that both of us are having to make. So... See, we got a lot to talk about as couples coming coming up in the future. So, but anyways, let's get back to this podcast, um, which is is an important one in, in my view. Uh, if if you're in any kind of recovery, and remember when, when I'm talking about recovery, what are we doing in recovery? We are recovering the person that God intended us to be. And why aren't we that person? A lot of times, it's because of a lot of trauma that happened to us in our life. We've had parents, we've had grandparents, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, teachers, inadvertently thinking they were trying to help us abuse us. Could be emotionally, which is what's one of the most damaging is emotionally because you, you can't, you know, if, if you get hit, at least the bruises go away. But you get hit and at the same time, your, your abuser's calling you a stupid SOB every time he hits you. You can't, it, it's, it's a double whammy. So, especially those people believe in God. That's, that's the hard part about it. Especially if they're proclaimed Christians, born again Christians. As most of you know that have been watching this, that my mother and my stepfather were both, both born again Christians, heavily immersed in the church, a deacon of the church, member of the choir. Uh, and so <clears throat> I'm growing up in this Christian church, being abused, on pretty much on a daily basis in one way or the other, sexually at least at least one, two times a week. I it was it was horrific. So there's a lot of reasons why we don't want to believe in God. Some of us are fortunate enough not to have any abuse in their life. They've grown up with a fairly normal childhood. And so it's a lot easier for them to look at God as a loving father that he's supposed to be. And and and, and I uh, one of one of my pastors that actually the only the pastor that I that I worked really close with, um, he grew up and his, his father was a pastor, but he grew up in a very fairly stable home, according to him. I mean, and I gotta believe him. He's not showing me anything different. And he he different relationship with God than most people, than most pastors have that I that I know of. All right, I'm not saying all, but most. So, you know, you might be one of those people that have struggled 
or are struggling today, and even if you're a Christian, we struggle sometimes with believing there is a God that loves us unconditionally and cares for us unconditionally. You're not alone. Or, you say, if there is a God, right? If there is a God, he forgot completely about me. He didn't know who I am. He turned his back on me a long time ago. And that's what I thought, being raised in a born-again Christian family. God, if if you're God, then why did you let me be abused? You know? Why do you you have my parents divorce and take my father from me when I was 12 years old or 10 years old? And then at 12 years old, you tuck him off the face of the earth. He died of cancer. He was 32 and I was 12. God, so if if you're a loving, kind, caring God, no father that I know of would do that. But then to, to, to cap it all, you put a man in our life that for a whole year prior to my father's death, was grooming us and a month after my father died he used that to start sexually abusing me so don't tell me about a loving God I, I, I don't want to hear about it now right now <laughs> disclaimer that was my belief before okay because somebody might be jumping in right now that was my belief before don't tell me about no loving God I don't want to hear about it What kind of loving God would do that? That's a you know what? First of all, I want to say some of these questions are very legitimate, very legitimate. And it wasn't until I got to a point in my life to that that I could was open enough and willing enough to hear and understand some of the answers that I was getting for these questions. See. Part of the problem with, 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 with God is that the people that don't believe in him, and, and there's reasons. Well, number one, I just explained my reason to him. But because we're human, number two, but even worse is because we're condemned, we're judged, we're not loved. Why do people, and, and, I, and I, I did everything that I could to have my pastors open up their eyes about this, because it's the truth. Remember what I do, I work with a lot of people, a lot of people, and it's not that I'm making what you call fake news, it's not fake news, this is truth. And I would tell them, you don't seem to understand. Why do you think, what is the number one reason that people turn their back on God and the church? What's the number one reason? They're sinners. No, the number one reason is because of pastors, not all pastors, but pastors that are preaching a false uh, narrative and because of people in the church pushing their beliefs on them. What does Jesus say to do in the Bible? Love Christ with all your mind, body, and spirit. And secondly, love 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 your neighbor. We're only called to do one thing with with our neighbors. 
and our fellow brothers and sisters. And that's to love them unconditionally, no matter what they've done in their life. That wasn't, that's not what I was seeing growing up as a kid in a church. Not at all. But they, these pastors just couldn't see it. And I, and I hate to say it, one thing that you're going to see out of me, right, is, uh, is I'm bold and I'm going to speak hard truths that nobody really wants to hear. And that's okay because somebody has to start speaking the truth rather than sugarcoating everything. And, and, and part of the deal with, 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 with newcomers in church, newcomers in recovery, whatever it is, and, when, and God related, okay? 1 Corinthians 1.18. See, there's scriptures in the Bible that people don't want to read, don't read, fail to read, don't hear, don't care to hear them, and want to just turn the other cheek to. One of them is 1 Corinthians 1.18. To talk the cross to, to talk the cross to those that are perishing is foolishness. I don't know about you. Most of the people I talk to, myself, we got tired of this. But then when those persons are going wah, 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 walked out the door, they weren't living the talk at all. I mean, perfect example, my mother and stepfather. I mean, they're abusing me. That's what the Bible says. And stay tuned in the next couple, I think my next... Uh, my next podcast, I'm going to be talking about some of these scriptures. And they're eye-openers. So be prepared, because it's some of them aren't good to hear. So what people want to see is they want to see the love of God. They want to see the love of Christ. And my wife and I, when we work with people, that's what they get. They don't get no judgment. If they trip, relapse, if you want to call it that, and they come to me, hey, Randy, I messed up. What'd you do? I did this, this, and this. Okay, no worries. Let's get together. Let's sit down and talk about it so we can figure out why you tripped. Because if we don't know the root of that branch that came up and tripped you, you're going to keep tripping over it. But let's, together, we'll sit down and figure it out. You're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. You're a human being. And this one particular couple that Kathy and I have worked with for, I think they've been going to the church we were going to about five years. And he walked into a recovery meeting with his head down. Didn't know nothing, didn't even know God existed, honestly. Nothing about the church. And then at that time, his girlfriend, which is, she had that nasty taste in her mouth about a church because of reasons I talked about earlier. And all I did was show this kid the love of God. Hey, relax. He showed up to a meeting. Just relax. Chill out. No pressure. Just go in the sanctuary in there you want. Just listen to something. They're warming up on, on worship. Listen to what they're playing. Just chill out. This is a safe place. I explained to him how the meeting would go. And I said, you don't have to say nothing. You're here for the first time. Just sit back and listen so you'll realize that you're not alone in what you're going through. And then at that night, at the end of the, the, the thing, you know, he said, I'll, I'll come back. I go, well, what are you doing on Sunday? Why don't you and your girlfriend come to church on Sunday? And that's all I said. Well, you know, he kind of hemmed and hawed. I said, hey, 
It's just an invite. If you show up, fine. If you don't, okay. I understand. Long short of this, I ended up marrying him and his girlfriend. They have, now have five kids, three together. <laughs> he, he got his hands full. He's a, they're a great couple. All right. And, 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 and you might say, well, Randy, you're boasting right now. I'm going to give you a boast because it's God, not Randy. When they, they when we were leaving to go to Arizona, they were leaving to move to Tennessee. She left the car, and the essence of the car said that I've, what I saw on Randy was Jesus Christ. And I'm not Jesus, I know that. And what she meant by that was that she showed Chris unconditional love. And wanted nothing in returning. Absolutely nothing in return. It's the best compliment that I have ever gotten as, as a coach, as a pastor, as a, as a counselor. That, I mean, that's what it's about. I was just there guiding them. There's plenty of other people they had in their life that were helping them, you know, with more biblical. And, but they are strong, convicted Christians. Why? Because I didn't shove it down their throat. I walked with them through their pain, and I showed them the love of Christ. And I think that's what's more important than going up to somebody and just start preaching to them right out of the gate. Yeah, man, I've had a, a rough life. I've been addicted, and my wife finally left me. Well, brother, I'm going to pray for you. Let me give you a few scriptures, and you got to do this. Mm. Number one thing that people need in life Number one, and I want you to understand this, especially you parents, fathers, mothers, both of you, they need to be heard. Your children, mom and dad, they need to be heard without judgment or condemnation. I know a lot of us didn't get that growing up, but you want your children to believe in God? They show them the love of Christ in the way you sit and bring them up. Same thing with your spouse. Need to be heard. Same thing with an addict, an alcoholic, an abuse survivor. You can sit there and throw all the scripture and all the God words you want to them, and they're not going to receive it. Why? Because they're not ready. And in fact, a lot of them are still blaming God for what happened to them. It's a journey that they have to go on, and they need to be. They need somebody to walk side by side with them and understand them. And it, it, like when I when I got in, when I went to Betty Ford, I was amazed because when I started talking about my abuse. Nobody told me to get over it. Nobody told me, hey, it happened a long time, you know, what's a big deal? No, they didn't, you know, nobody told me forgive, forget, and move on. None of those words came out of their mouth. They were empathetic. They showed me the love of Christ. And then, then my mentors in AA, two older gentlemen, were the same way. In fact, they're, they're, they're probably, they probably need the highest compliments because their words were this, Randy, we'll help you with everything else in life but your trauma because we're not qualified to do that. And I wish that more people would do that. We can still pray for them. We can still pray for them. There's no doubt about that, and we should pray for them. 
But like the big book says, you cannot transmit something you do not have. A lot of broken people out there, and they're still broken, and yet they think they can help other people become whole when they're not whole themselves. You cannot transmit something you do not have. You have the pain, but do you have the recovery? Do you have the forgiveness in your heart for somebody that might have sexually, physically, emotionally, spiritually abused you? I mean, real forgiveness. That's another thing I can talk on one time. Real forgiveness. In fact, my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, chapter 12, is dedicated to forgiveness. So look, I fully understand where you might not believe in God and where you might be struggling with it. I mean, I, I used to write stuff on Facebook on a survivor's page, and um, the comments I got back was, don't be talking to me about God. How, how can a God that loves or forgives you let this kind of stuff happen to an innocent child? Well, you know what? I understand where they're coming from. But until those people are at a place in their life where they're going to have an open mind and be willing to listen, and if they're not believers of God, and they don't believe what the Bible has to say, they're not going to get it. I was still questioning why. Even after six years of recovery, just starting to go to church again back in 2012, we walked into the Rock Church in San Diego. My wife goes, hey, there's a bookstore. We went in there, I opened up a book. I can't remember the name of the book, but Inside this cover was a scripture, Genesis 50, 20. Genesis 50, 20. And it said, what man meant for harm, God meant for good. He brought you to this place to save the lives of many men. Bam! There it is right there. What man meant for harm. All the people that were abusive to me, whether it was my mother, my stepfather, the pastors of my church growing up, my employers that I worked with, my baseball coaches that were weenie heads, right? Everybody that in one way, shape, or form, and some knew it was abuse and some didn't. All that I went through, the fear I had in 2004, the, 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 the building up of a million-dollar business and then the having to let that business go, the loss, Gains and losses that happen to us in life. It helps so many people. But if I hadn't gone through it, I wouldn't be able to help the people that God's having me help. And God's not just, it's funny because he's not just having me focus on one thing. Because I've got a lot of gifts. But the funny thing about this is, as I'm talking to you, is that everything I talk about leads right back to the one thing, unresolved trauma in your life. I'm not saying it has to be sexual abuse. Understand that. Trauma, there's a lot of different types of trauma. So, <clears throat> today things are a lot different for me. Yeah, I still struggle. I've been struggling, you know, right now I'm in the wait. I've had a lot of people pray over Kathy and I. A lot of people prophesize over me about our move to Arizona and what, how we are going to help a lot of people that don't even know we're here yet. And it's, it, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it real short because it goes deeper than that. 
And it's not just one person that's done this. So therefore, I know it's 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 God. But we're in we're in that waiting period. We're in the hallway. Faith, as they would say, have faith. Here's another real problem when you want to talk about God again. Believing in God is this. Um. I had, a, I had a pastor, his name was Terry. And per, Terry came to Destiny for a while, him and his wife, Linda, who she's just a wonderful woman. And she she seems to know when I'm struggling because she seems to, without me even saying nothing, she sends me a meme or a quote or she says something to me out of the blue that just happens to hit me in the right spot at the right time. But unfortunately, Terry passed away from pancreatic cancer. But before he passed away, he met with me for, he was more than willing to do it for two hours. And we were talking about my book. I was writing my book at the time. And we were talking about the father and the abuse that happens between a father and a son. And he had an article that he brought to me, and I still have it. And so here it is. And this is a real, and, and, I, and I've had several men and women unprovoked come up to me and, and present this exact scenario to me that they've gone through and how they feel. So <clears throat> you're telling me, Randy, hypothetically right now, whoever's listening, you're telling me, Randy, that if I give my, my, my turn, my will, my life over the care of God, if I give my life to Jesus, that that God, our Father in heaven, as you want to call him, Randy, right? That Father's going to love us unconditionally. He's going to meet all of our needs, not our wants, all of our needs. He's going to accept us. He's not going to judge us. He's not going to condemn us. He's just going to love us unconditionally. He's always going to be there for us. Yeah, pretty much. And I know it's hard to believe. And sometimes it seems like he's not there, but he's always there. But Randy, you don't seem to understand. This is a father in, uh, somewhere up, up in the sky some energy that I can't see, you just some magical spirit you say is up there. I don't know if he's up there or not. You want me to believe that this magical energy is up there? It's just going to magically take care of all this and love me unconditionally and help me resolve my issues without condemnation or judgment? Yes, I am. <laughs> Randy, that's a, that's a bunch of farce because my father right here on earth, the father that raised me, piece of garbage. He's not like that. He beats me. He puts me down constantly. He swears at me. He, he's the last thing about, he's so unforgivable, it's unreal. He holds on to stuff for so long, I can't, I can't even count. I don't know how he remembers five, six, seven years back something I did that was so minute that it shouldn't even be brought up. He abuses me. So you're telling me that you want me to believe that something that I can't see or is going to take care of me for life, love me unconditionally, not abuse me. Yeah, and I understand where you're coming from. And all I would ask is that you would give us some time and I'll walk with you. It's a real, it's a real problem. There's a whole article written on it. We're comparing our earthly fathers to our Father in Heaven, and I was guilty of it. And I, I, I would, I would, uh, I, I would contend that most of you that are listening to this have had or do have that same issue. 
of the, the difference, the correlation between Father on earth and Father in heaven, which is understandable. I've seen some powerful things happen in the freedom group Kathy and I used to run. I mean powerful things happen. But it has to be talked about with people that understand, people that love, people that care. You can't keep just sweeping underneath the rug. Whether it's mental illness, whether it's abuse, whether it's, you know, of any type, addictions, whatever it is. When we, when we look at addictions, right? I think, I, I, I'm not sure I did a, a podcast, but I know I wrote a blog on, you know, a, a God of understanding is not what AA says it is. Right? And that's a whole other thing, but a God of understanding becomes God, Yahweh, the Father in heaven. Not a palm tree, not the ocean. Those are higher powers. You can use that, but they're not God. Not a bowler, because a bowler sure ain't going to bail you out of jail. I can tell you, I've seen countless miracles, and it's only because of God, not because of a boulder. So fathers, mothers, you have to understand that what's wrong with our children today? Not all. But mom and dad go look in the mirror. But that's how I was raised. Yeah. How'd it work for you? And I understand that too, generational curses. It's time to break it. You want your children to be God-loving kids? Show them God's love. Show them the love of Christ. Not the hate of a father or a mother. Or the frustration of a father or a mother. One thing I want to clarify is um, when I talk about spiritual abuse and people ask, you know, often ask me about this and it's a good it's, it, it's part of what happens to every child that's abused one way or the other the first part of spiritual abuse is that the minute a child is abused the minute he is hit the, the minute he is put down emotionally the minute he's sexually abused the minute he the, the child within is demoralized his character has been his spirit, the spirit of the child within, has been assassinated. And some of the spirits, some of those child spirits, some of those children never get that spirit back. It's there, but they become so hardened to it that they block it out. And they have to, to survive. And it's the environment that they're living in. They're not living in a godly environment. You know, if some of you are out there talking about, well, you know, I beat the child, the rod and the staff. Nah. Do, do a little more research and understand what the rod and staff are, number one. Number two, I'll challenge anybody. I'll do it until the day I die. You show me in the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, where Jesus hit one kid. And you want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, I'll be glad to have it with you. And I'll explain to you exactly what the rod and staff is. The rods to protect and the staffs is to keep the, the, the sheep and the children going on the right path. It's not to beat them with. It does no good at all.
You gotta remember, according to the Bible, according to the Bible, our earthly fathers are to treat us as God would. And if you're one that believes that, well, God would do this and God would do that and all the, all the terrible stuff that might be done to a child, that's not what God would do. It's in Luke and Matthew, and I'm going to go more into this next, the next podcast, is that fathers, do not provoke your children to anger as to cause discouragement. Think about that. That's a, that, that is a commandment from the Bible. It's not one of the Ten Commandments, but that is right in the Bible. I know that I was provoked to anger all the time and discouraged constantly by my stepfather and my mother. A direct violation of what the Bible tells us to do as parents. Instead, we're supposed to treat them with love, kindness, understanding, gentleness, forgiveness, and patience. I'm not saying not to discipline them. But discipline doesn't mean hit in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't mean to put them down any way, shape, or form. Again, what do your kids need from you? I know as parents, oftentimes we get really busy and we don't have time for anything. We don't even have time for ourselves. But what our children need from, from mom and dad is they need their time. They need their ear. What's going on, honey? That's a whole other thing my wife and I can both talk to you about. So there's a lot that we have to look at as humans and as parents as to why people might not believe in God. Of course, now, I, I, it's funny how I turned, you know, when I was 18, I turned, I walked away from God in the church, thinking that God had turned his back on me because of everything that happened to me. And it, the Bible tells us that God will never, Jesus will never, God will never forsake us, leave us or forsake us, right? And then I look back on my life, it's like, well, I was 15 years old, dead on the ground, and God brought me back to life. I can't tell you how many times I felt like I was going to die from too much cocaine and whiskey. And I pray, God, please don't let me die. Please don't let me die. I knew I was, and, and it, it, when I went to treatment, I found out that the amount of cocaine that I was doing back then was lethal doses. And they take the, 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 the whiskey on top of it. But yet, who would I call out to every time I felt like I was going to die? Please don't let me die, God. I got my kids. I got my wife. I, I don't want to lose my family. There's countless times I could go over. I said, you know what? God is real. He did watch over me. He did take care of me. And I could give you count, accounts of a lot of different times. How can I not believe in God? Look up in the sky. You're looking at the, the heavens. You're looking at, at millions of stars. Look at the ocean, the tropical islands. Look at the, the, high, the high country, the back country. The beauty of the sunrise, the beauty of the sunset, which they're never alike. How can you not believe in God? Do you think it just magically appears? I mean, believe me, I, I, have, I, have, I have tried even recently to, to sit there and go, well, this is just, no, this is not just here. 
Something had to create this. So I understand. Not believing in God. So, um, we have to remember, too, that, that whether you're just in recovery of life, right, and, and a lot of people, they run from the word of recovery because they think it's drugs and alcohol, and man, there's so much involved in recovery, right? The biggest part of that recovery is, and I hear this, we use alcohol just as an example, here is, I hear it all the time. God, I don't know what my wife wants, man. I quit drinking for like a year now, and she's still she's still mad at me. We don't get along, and blah 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 blah. I go, okay, well, great. You you quit drinking. That's actually the easiest part of, of recovery is to quit drinking. Once you get past a month or two where the cravings, but without without even with that. Long-term sobriety, not recovery, long-term sobriety ain't going to happen without God. It's just, it's not going to happen. It's just, and God, Yahweh, God the Father. He talked to the wife. Yeah, Randy, he quit drinking a year ago, and I'm, I'm glad he did because he was bad enough then. But you know, honestly, he's worse than he was then. He still mistreats me, calls me names all the time. I mean to the children. He doesn't do nothing. He goes to work, comes home, sits on the couch and have a beer. And he might go to a meeting now and then, and then he goes to these these functions that they have at AA or NA, and you know, there's a bunch of young women there that he's flirting with. I, he's not in recovery. I'm, I'm done with this. I deserve better than this. Well, yeah, you're right. You do. You do. you got to remember that our recovery is contingent upon our it's contingent upon our spiritual condition. If we're not right with God, if we're not on a daily basis getting on our knees asking God to help us, it's hopeless. And I don't think any of us are hopeless, but there's things that we have to do. There's things that we have to do in order for our recovery to blossom, in order for our families to be renewed. You know, and be honest, I'll be honest with you. In some cases, there's been so much damage done in the family prior to a person getting in recovery of any kind. There's no hope. Wife or the husband, just, I'm done. I, I'm, I'm not putting up with this no more. It's just too much damage, too much hurt. I don't, I don't, I don't think I can, I can do this right now. I know people have been in recovery and their wife or husband walked in a meeting <laughs> I don't know how they got in and walked in and handed them divorce papers. See, my wife will tell you this, and it was only because I can remember the day that my, my obsession left me. And I was about two weeks into my recovery. I was going to bed before. I'd been talking to the spiritual counselor about praying and God. And, you know, I was on that journey. Was, ah, you know, I was still mad, blah, blah, blah. I got down on my knees one morning, and I could see it right now in my, in my, in my, my head that, Got down on my knees, lifted my hands up and said, God, help me. I don't want to live this way no more. I don't want to be this person anymore. I can't do this by myself. I really need your help. And it was that day that the obsession to drink and use was lifted from me and gone. But then as you, as you go along this journey of recovery of any kind, 
it can get very difficult and very painful. And there's going to be times we want to run. There's going to be times we want to cuss at God and yell at God, which I did many a times. Pound on my, 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 my fist in, in the couch that I was praying on. Just mad at God. Oh, you can't do that, Randy. That's blasphemous. Wait a minute. If God knows everything you're thinking or saying or doing, what's the difference? What I found out is that the more you hold on to stuff, you don't let it out. The angrier you become, the more rageful you become, and the more it eats you up inside. Those are the best things I could do. I was never punished for it. I was never, I mean, like I was with a kid. I was never ridiculed. You can't be mad at God. Look at everything you got. Oh, I can't be mad at God? I could be mad at God. Heck, he walked into the temple and tore it apart. You bunch of dens of thieves. You, you, it's a... The den of thieves here? I, I, I can't, I just, I'm going to keep on saying it because I want you to understand that we are responsible for people's beliefs to a certain degree. We're responsible to a certain degree and people's beliefs in God. There's so many people that are so hardened and turned against God out there in this world. And almost, not, I'd say 95% of not more of them have the same story. They were turned away from God by people. It's sad. And part of that is, too, is, is like, what, what kind, what's the community that you're hanging out with? This is the hardest thing that I think anybody in recovery has. And I know... Um, I, I, I know that my wife and I, for the first two years, and this is my story, okay? We have, even, even family, we didn't go around. They knew why I wasn't coming around. They, they respected me because they, a lot of them drank really, really hard, and I didn't want to be around that. So it's like you're all alone, you feel like. Yeah, God, I feel so alone in this. My family, I can't be with my family. I can't go out partying with my friends. I can't do this. I can't do that. But I'll tell you one thing you're going to find out really, really fast who your real friends really are. Right? And, and those that are like on the fence are going to be, <clears throat> on one, they're just, they got one foot on the bad side of the fence. They're going to be gone instantly. Instantly. And it, it as hard as it is, it's the best thing that can happen to you. And then there's those that will hang on the fence for a while. And eventually, and some of them are Christian, their true character comes out. It's like, okay, sorry, this is not the life that I want to live anymore. So I'm going to walk away. I'm not saying it's easy, it's really hard. But what's in your best interest? Remember, we can't blame our actions on anybody else. We all have choices. And so the people that I've walked away from, some of them just, they were, I, I couldn't, I had to choose that if I hang with this, then I'm going to be doing the same things I used to do. And as time went along, people that I thought, you know, were good people, their character sh slowly started showing. And when it got to the point, it's like, mm, no, this is not, this is not adding up to my belief system 
In fact, it's way off. In fact, they're very hypocritical, which we're all hypocritical to an extent. But what that extent is, I don't, you know, varies. And that's one of the things that I put my, I mean, that's a red line. That's a red line in the sand. You just got to make a choice. Am I going to keep up with this because, you know, I get this or that from them? Or am I going to say, no, I'm better off on my own? It's a hard, hard thing, to, even, even with marriage. Kathy and I see it all the time. I mean, I, I see one couple right now, and they're a mess. I see what they're doing. They came to us for a while, but it was bad. And they're out there in the world right now doing things that, you know, and then what happens is they come to us, oh, you know, we're having problems, blah, 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 blah. Can you help us? Can you help us? Sure, we'll help you. We'll sit down with them and talk for a while. And then their life starts getting better. And what do they do? Vamanos. What's the community that a person's hanging out in? What's their belief system? So... <clears throat> I know there's, we're talking about the problem right now. And we have to talk about the problem, but what's the solution? And I think I've kind of put the solution, weaved it in and out of this podcast. That first of all, if you're struggling with the belief of God, find somebody that you can talk with that maybe has been in your shoes and has worked through those beliefs it can work with you. It, it's not, it's, there's not a magic wand or a magic pill that you can take that this is all going to go away. Some people, including myself, have been really, really, really hurt by the church, which is the people in the church and by the pastors. And in fact, I will say that it is the hardest abuse that I have had to deal with out of my sexual, physical, and emotional, spiritual abuse the spiritual is the worst. And spiritual on the point of the authority, right? I talked about earlier about one form of spiritual abuse is when our, our, our spirit of the child is assassinated. And the, of course, the other one is, is when people of authority, if religious authority, it doesn't matter what kind of religion, but that authority starts using their, uh, their power to abuse you as an abuse of power to get you to conform to the things they want you to do or believe. So we have to look at what I what did I do, man? I, 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 I talked to pastors when I was when I got into recovery. I one one pastor that I just I couldn't believe what I was hearing out of his ears. And I and I says, look at I have the the big book, 164 pages, a little mini book. And that's where I found God. And by the way, Big Book is very much Holy Spirit written. And I got proof of that. If you ever want to talk to me, shoot me an email at CourageousHealers.com and I'll talk to you about it. But he, he wouldn't read that. I go, here, do me a favor. Just read this. You say you want to help alcoholics. Here, read this little book right here, 164 pages. No, I can't do that. I go, you want me to read your book, the Bible? And I'm more willing to do it. But yet you won't read these 164 pages? So here, take the Bible, do what you want with it. I'm leaving. I'm, I'm, goodbye, Pat. There's other things that happen during the thing. Talk to pastors. I read Taoism, Hinduism, 
uh, every ism there is, you know, all, all the all the religious books, uh, Eastern religion books, right? They all they all went 180 degrees around, or 362, um, back to the Ten Commandments. It's all about love and forgiveness, being kind to your brother. I was allowed to question the God that I was raised with. Question him. And then if I had an answer that came out, then I would question that answer with that person. And then I would answer a question again, and a question again, and I would question again, and again, and again. See, the problem is, is that too many people aren't, aren't allowed to question God. That's not right. How else are you supposed to understand something if you don't understand, you know, if, if you don't have a concept of you, you can't grasp God and believe in something if you don't understand it. One of the things that got me was I read Proverbs, Proverbs 5. It talks about the immoral person. And man, when I read that, I go, ooh, baby. I wish I would have read this before I had the affair. Because it, it was, and, and that's, that's when I read that, that's when I realized that the Bible is not a fairy, fairy tale. The only person that could have written Proverbs 5, or the whole book of Proverbs, but Proverbs 5, for me, was somebody that had experienced what he was talking about. That's the only way he could have written that. Of course, with the help of God. It's, it's, a, it's a choice for everybody. For me, the right choice was to go back with God and Jesus. I, I mean, I, I can tell you, there's countless accounts I could tell you why it's right. And I feel it's also the right thing for you. But it's a choice that you have to make. You'll know it. I knew it. You'll know it when it comes over you. And is it easy? No, it's not an easy choice because you got, it's like the old cartoon. You got the good guy on this year and you got the evil guy on this year. Yeah, Randy, do it, do it, do it. No, don't do it. Just go party some more. How about some cocaine, maybe a little whiskey and a strange woman? Randy, you know where that takes you. Follow me. I promise you, I'll take care of you. Everything you wish and desire, everything you need, I'll give to you. It's not going to be easy. I never said it would be easy, Randy. Okay? It's a choice. You can't let your past define who you are. You know, I, I want to, I want to, I'm going to share one story with you and then I'm going to close this out. You know, right after I had, or right before I had the affair, the first night I actually went out with this woman. My wife was in Orange County, so that's why I took opportunity of the day and I went, I went to Palm Springs, where you know I live at the other end of the valley, and we've been drinking and drinking and drinking. And my wife was calling, and I ignored it. Finally, she called, and she told me she was in Riverside. And then ten minutes later, she called me up and said she was in Palm Springs on the freeway. And I said, "Oh, oh, I'm in trouble." And I was, I was, I'll, I'll say this: I was fairly drunk. And I'm not proud of this moment, but this is the truth, and this is what people need to hear. So on my way home, I go, "I got to go now. I got to get out of here." Right? I'm all 
we were, I was drunk, I was with this other woman, you know, we were in the bar all night long. So I'm going down Highway 111, and I am, I got a uh, Ford F-250, 38-inch tire, 6-inch raised, it's lifted, it's, it's jacked up, it's fast. I'm racing down Highway 111 through Rancho Mirage, I'm going in the bike lane, and I'm going, weaving in and out of that, and a guy makes a lane change in front of me. And there was nothing, absolutely nothing I could do, man. I mean, I slammed on the brakes. I went over the curb. I did everything I could to avoid hitting this guy. And I rear-ended him. And pretty much totaled his car. Thank God nobody was hurt. So the, the cops come, and there were a lot of cops that showed up. And I was drunk. And the guy that I hit, gets, you know, he gets out of his car, and the cops are there. And he went up to the cop, and he, I hear him say it. He told the cop, he goes, he's talking about himself. He goes, officer, he goes, look, man, this whole thing was my fault. He goes, I don't know how I didn't see him coming. I, I just made that lane change right in front of him. He, there's nothing he could do to avoid me. It was my fault, 100% my fault. And to me, it was like, so what? I'm drunk. I was way drunk. And so they got me on back the back of the truck. They got my driver's license. They got my insurance card. And again, uh, before, right before the cops got there, I'm in the back of my truck praying, God, please get me out of this mess, Jesus, one more time. Just get me, I can't go to jail, Jesus. Please, God, I promise you, God, right? And I had officers right in my face, two, two or three of them right in my face, interviewing me. So I'm waiting there about five or 10 minutes, and the officer walks back up, and I stand up, I'm leaning on my truck, I walk towards him a couple of steps, and got my hands by my side expecting to be cuffed and the guy reaches out and hands me back my license and, and insurance card. And he goes, Mr. Boyd, have a nice night. Drive home safely. Well, excuse me? Excuse me? Well, I tell you that the whole way, I'm not proud of it. I was drunk. It was my fault. I was living in the world at that point in time. But who did I reach out to? the guy that I didn't want nothing to do with. And what did he do? I should have gone to jail. And I don't know what happened other than a, than a, than a spiritual intervention that God sent down one of his angels. And, well, I don't know, don't ask me how, but I didn't. So that's one of the, one of the things. I never got a ticket. I never got nothing from that. It just like it never happened. And that's why on February 1st, 2006, when God said, Randy, you get your get out of jail free cards are used up. You need to quit drinking. You need to get help now. I listened because when he said, you get out of jail free cards are used up. It's okay. I got you, God. I hear you this time. I hear you this time. So how can I not believe in God? So if you're out there and you're struggling with the belief of God, I, I thoroughly understand it. It's really hard for me to deny his existence in any way, shape, or form. I have just seen too many miracles. A couple of them, several of them in my, one, two, three of them in my own life. One, I was literally dead on the ground. Two, I was in a coma for two weeks, two hours away from total organ failure had an out-of-body experience, people praying for me. 
And then three, I did have COVID in September, and nobody, you know, I, I was in the hospital. Thank God I didn't have to go on to a, um, a breathing machine. I, I would have walked out. But I had the whole church praying for me. I remember uh, Pastor Nate said, Randy, you will be getting out of, the, out of the hospital. He didn't know. On Friday. And sure enough, I think it was actually Thursday that they let me out of the hospital. It was a long recovery. But I'm thoroughly convinced that without God, I wouldn't be here today. That's my story. And I hope that somebody out there listening can understand. I understand you. I understand the struggle. I understand why you wouldn't believe in God. And I, I would just pray that something would happen in your life to where, you know, you can open up your heart and your mind with somebody and have that conversation. I know for one, I'm more than willing to, to sit and listen. We got the foundation, CourageousHealersFoundation.org or ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com, my life coaching uh, webpage, my life coaching services. Just don't be closed-minded. That's all I can ask. Give us some thought. Take a little, take a little, uh, a little journey backwards in your life. And be open-minded about this and see where God might have been there. I shouldn't have got out of this. And I, I, and I've talked to so many people and said, "We, I've asked the question." Has at any point in your life you've been in a situation that you knew was just like, mm, or you were going to do something that you know you shouldn't have, and you heard that little voice in your head, thank God, help me with this one. I can't. I'm afraid. What do I do? I got my family to feed. Or that little voice whispering in your ear saying, Randy, don't do it. Remember the. I told you, you get out of jail free cards were used up. And you went against that word. And what happened? And when I asked people that particular question, every one of them said, it's not been good. And what's happened when you've prayed to God, even when you didn't believe in God, but you, that you knew that for some reason that's who you reach out to. What happened then? Well, I'm here talking to you right now. It wasn't easy what I had to go through, but I was, I'm fine, I'm okay, I'm good. I was tormented, but here I am. So just take that little journey, okay? Okay, some good news um, on, on my book. Finally, I have the translated portion of the book. It has been done, translated. Right now, it is in the hand of my editor, Chain. Uh, Healing the Wounded Child Within, it's in the hand of my editor right now, being edited and formatted for, uh, for, uh, for Kindle, okay? Um, the book cover, the, they have to make a few tweaks on it because it's Spanish, and that's going to be translated. So I'm hoping all that's going to be done. See, we're towards the end of September right now, I guess. I'm hoping to have the book um, on the market sometime in... Uh, October, September, October, September or early October. But it, it is finally, I can tell you with, 
with certainty I have the translated part. It's just being edited, formatted, and the covers being um, fixed up. Uh, it might be redesigned a little bit. We're not sure yet. And uh, that, that all needs to be trans, translated as well. So look forward to that. Uh, I know some people have been patiently waiting for it. And I was afraid it wasn't going to happen, but it finally all came together. So you can get my English version, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon, as well as the 30-day uh, devotional, The Wholeness, and the seven-day challenge, which is part of the Healing the Wounded Child. Healing the Wounded Child Within, it's a workbook. The Healing the Wounded Child Within, Kindle, paperback, and Audible, all on Amazon. Kindle and paperback for the 30-day devotional, The Wholeness, and just paperback for the seven-day devotional. So check those all out. They're really good books. They're, he they're healing a lot of people. The devotional, uh, we suggest that couples read it together. There are some contemplative questions at the end of every devotion, and it's helping these these uh, these couples and people, not only couples, but wh whoever's reading those questions are really opening up people's minds and hearts. So you got those three books. Please check out the, our websites, CourageousHealers.org, CourageousHealers.org. I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to put a call for action out there on that. We are, we have such good plans for the foundation. We've got, you know, we've, we've got our, our business plan. We've got what, what we want to do, but man, my wife and I have been funding a lot of this on our own and we just can't grow the foundation the way that we have planned for it. Um, so I'm, I'm putting a plea out there. Just go to CourageousHealers.org. Go, go to the donate link. And, man, commit for just $5 a month. I mean, $5, $10, $20, $50, $100. Whatever you think you can afford, whatever your heart can afford. Because last the last couple of years, my wife and I have done so much counseling and not charged. It's part of the, what, the, what the foundation, but the, you know, and then the... the but we need to start. We need to start building that that reserve up, because it's just her and I doing it, and we want to grow it. We need to get a clinical director. We need to get staff in there. There's a whole lot that we still want to do, and it's something that's all new to me. And we've had the foundation's been mostly outreach now for the last ten years. So, please find it in your heart. Go to CourageousHealers.org, hit the donate button, make it a monthly commitment. It's going to a really, really, really good cause. Um, it could, like I say, $5 a month is fine. We're not looking for a lot. We're If we get, you know, 100 people doing $5 or 1,000 people doing $5, whatever, it's going to help. Whatever a person can give will definitely help. And it is, we're a 501c3. It is 100% write off, Okay. And also changeyourlifestorynow.com, changeyourlifestorynow.com for your life coaching needs. Check that out as well. Um, we just updated that website. We do marriage counseling. Kathy and I are, I am SIMDA certified. Kathy does it with me. Save your marriage before it starts. It's a great assessment for couples, whether you've been married or whether you're going to get married. It's a 99.9% .9 accurate assessment. It is unbelievable. And the couples that we, whether they've been married or they're, they're newlyweds coming up, man, they have gotten so much out of this assessment. It's just a lot of fun to do as well. So check those out. Um, and I'll see you on the next podcast. So remember, if nobody tells you that they love you today, remember that Randy does. But more importantly, God does. Be blessed, everybody.
This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>